This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. And welcome to Better Late Than Never. This is a movie podcast. And what we do here is we talk about movies that are blockbusters, cult favorites, or otherwise culturally significant films that we have never seen before. This week we are continuing a run of Oscar films that we haven't seen. So we have returning for his second go-round on this theme, Will. We also have joining us for this week returning guests Aaron and Emily. And this week we are going to be doing the Oscar-nominated movie Little Women, and I am Dave, your host. So before we dive into it, I just want to mention that if you'd like to contact the podcast, we can be reached via email at betterlatethanneverpod at gmail.com or via Twitter at betterlate underscore pod. And with that out of the way, what's up, guys? Hey, Aaron. Hey, great to be back. Hi, Will. Hello. And hi, Emily. Hello. So who's seen this movie? I've seen it. I've seen it. I have not seen it. Right on. So, Aaron, I guess you and me are going to be the guinea pigs this week. It seems that way. Yeah. Can I ask, have either of you seen any other adaptation, like the 1994 Winona Ryder adaptation, or read the original book, or know anything about the story? I know things about the story, um, and I've seen the 1994 uh, Winona piece. I, on the other hand, am coming into this completely blind. I have not read the book. And I have not seen any adaptation of this at all. This is really fun because usually, you know, it's like the tables are completely turned. We all have more knowledge than you. So I'm curious to hear what you think this is going to be about. Yeah. Well, actually, I just want to ask before I launch into my predictions. So, Will, you and Emily have seen it. Did you guys like this movie? Yes, I did. No, I hated it. Whoa. Okay. Oh, great. So um, for anyone who hasn't listened to the pod, uh, the way we usually do this is in part one, we're going to talk about... Uh, me and Aaron, uh, who haven't seen the movie, we're going to talk about our predictions for the movie and what we think it's going to be like. Then we're all going to go watch it because it's still in a few theaters out here. <laughs> and then we're going to come back and we're going to see how we did with our predictions and then just generally talk about what we thought of it. So we'll get the conflict between you two. Love it. Uh, can so I just excited. ask one question? Yeah. Have you read it? Uh, I've not read, no, I never read Little Women. I think I read like bits and pieces of it when I was a kid. I definitely owned it and I definitely like was- Always meant to read it? I was encouraged by my parents to read it. I think like whenever I used to not go into school because I was sick or quote unquote sick, like my parents would assign me books to read, Mm. um, like The Adventures of Tom Sawyer or Little Women or or Treasure Island or things like that. So I've kind of read those books, but like not really. I mainly just watched like reruns of The Brady Bunch. So I think then I may have the um, longest uh, tenure with this because I have read it. I read it in fifth grade. 
I've seen the Winona Ryder version. I've seen this version. So I may be the most steeped in uh, steeped Little Women. In Little Women. Yeah. Have you read the sequels? Little Men. I, I did read, or I tried to read the second one. I'm not sure that I made it through it. Is uh, there is there more than one sequel? I know there's a Little Men. Is there like a... Yeah, there's, there's one's called Joe's, Joe's Boys. Boys. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think I ever got to Joe's Boys. Well... I will say I have another connection to this movie, which I, I have a distinct memory of going to the Louisa May Alcott house as a child, which is here in Massachusetts. Um, I don't know, right. remember Concord. what town, Concord, perhaps. Yep. And uh, you can actually go and you can see the house where she grew up in and where kind of the stories take place or, you know, are, are based on anyway. Neat. Yeah. That's where the term uh, sleep tight comes from. Really? How so? Well, so they used to have these beds that had like ropes or like straps like underneath to hold the, uh, this was before box springs, so to hold the mattress up. And you used to have to tighten them so that the mattress didn't sag while you were sleeping. And they would say sleep tight as in to say like, you know, don't have a saggy mattress. But, But it's the time frame that it came from, not this book, right? Yes. Like did Louise May Alcott invent... Sleep tight? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> That's just where I learned about its Sweet. origins. That was, that was part of the tour. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, <laughs> so getting to predictions. Um, Aaron, that's on us. Okay. Aaron, do you know anything about the meta stuff with this movie? Do you know who made it? Do you know who's in it? I know uh, it was directed by uh, Greta. Oh, my God. Her last name. Gerwig. Thank you, Greta Gerwig. And have you seen any of Greta Gerwig's other work? Yeah, I really liked Lady uh, Lady Bird. That was good. I have not seen Frances Ha. Uh, what else did she do? Well, then do? Get Out. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it either. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's. I've, I've only really seen Lady Bird. And you liked it. And I liked it a lot, yeah. I thought it was a really special coming-of-age story. Any idea who's in this? Yeah, I know a bunch of people in it. Um her girl, Sersha. 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 Did I say it right? Sersha? Sersha. Sersha. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to try this. I, I always think it's with like an O sound, like Sorsha. 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 That's definitely not it. I'm going to go with Sersha. I think you're right. I think I'm wrong. I'm not going to correct. You guys do whatever you want, and I will not correct anyone because I don't know for sure. Yeah, so And if you're listening, Sir Sharonin, holy shit, that's incredible that someone so famous is listening to this podcast. Tell all your friends, please. But also, uh, please let us know if we're getting it right. Yes, please. Write the pod. Let us know. Uh, I know that... Oh, I, I I feel like I only know half of the names of the, the little <laughs> women. Uh, Florence Pugh? Or Pug yeah. or something Pug. like that. Yeah. Pugh. I don't know. Pugh? Pugh? Uh, I don't know. Is in uh, Midsummer, which I saw with you, Will. Uh, she was very good in that. Yeah. And also Hermione is in it. Emma Watson. Hermione. Hermione. <laughs> Man, you are just striking out on every possible pronunciation <laughs> so far. Yeah. Uh, Emma Watson. Emma Watson's in it. And also the girl from Sharp Objects, the HBO series oh yeah whose name i I don't know so i'm not gonna try eliza scanlon yes i had forgotten about her yes she's also in it i saw her in the trailer some pretty impressive little women um looking forward to their performances i also know of a big woman who's in this there's a few big women in it 
namely uh miss meryl streep is in this movie i think i think you are correct and she's pretty good at acting so i expect good stuff i mean that's her. what i've heard that she's quite good but there's also a dude in this at least one dude yep that kid the kid who fucked the peach the kid that's in everything now yeah timothy chalamet yeah he fucked a peach i'm sorry i missed this yeah, that that movie, Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, he does fuck a peach in that, doesn't oh. he? Oh. Maybe he does in this movie, too. How do you fuck a peach? He cut a hole. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you have to take the pit out, I assume, right? And it yes. go, uh, like, I, I did not actually see the film, <laughs> so... I didn't. I, I saw the film and I don't really remember this, but for some reason I had an answer to that question, <laughs> so... Or I would assume if the peach has been halved, um, you could just take the two halves and use them as kind of like, a, a, you know, like rubbing, no, uh, rubbing I, aids. I can picture what you're getting at. It doesn't seem super appealing to me, but, you know, there's a anytime in a movie where someone fucks food, I'm like, why? We did just do American Pie. So yeah, you did. Our, you know, with American Pie, it never made sense to me. The whole premise I thought was faulty because they described a vagina as being like warm apple pie, which... It, I'm going to reiterate that I think that's a really gross analogy. That's a very gross analogy, also completely inaccurate. <laughs> I mean, anyone with the most rudimentary knowledge of what a vagina is like should know that there aren't, like, chunks of apple. <laughs> <laughs> well. And hopefully no crust, but <laughs> that's oh, more dude. give or take. I'm dead. <laughs> Well, also, I mean, I imagine a peach is cold, so I don't. It think... was summer. Yeah, yeah, it was summer, and like it was like older times. Like, <laughs> so I'm not sure there was they refrigeration. Didn't ref- if there was, oh. they didn't refrigerate. Like it's not ye oldy times, I but see. it's like it's like the 60s or something, right, 70s, right. something yeah. like that. Well, I mean, long story short, this kid's real hot right now. He's, <laughs> He's super in hot. He is, <laughs> and. Uh, I think that's it for people who I think I know are in this. Oh, I know another big woman Late in on it. Me. Um, a Miss Laura Dern. Oh shit, she's in this in too. Man, who might be like better than Meryl Streep? No, that's that's what crazy. The fuck I, I know I'm not allowed about? to say that. I love Laura Dern too, but I mean, come on, be reasonable. No. <laughs> oh, oh shit. Okay. Um, I, I really like Laura Dern. I mean, I do too. So. Uh, Cool. Well, Erin, so you kind of maybe sort of got a little bit of history with this, so I'm not going to ask you what it's about because you know. Uh, did you like the uh, – Did I forget what you said. Did you say you read it? No, I, I never You've read just it. Seen the I've earlier. just seen the Winona Ryder movie. Gotcha. And you liked it? Yeah, I did like it. Uh, I don't remember it very much. It was 1994. Mm-hmm. Like I saw it when it came out. And I was a big Winona fan at the time. Who wasn't? Right. Uh, so, yeah, honestly. I think I, think I saw it because she's... Yeah, for think, sure. So it's all on me now to talk about what I think this movie is about. What do I think Little Women is about? Because I've never read it. I've never seen an adaptation. I've just heard it talked about. Kind of, I've seen the book cover. Nah. I've, I've seen the ads. So I know it's not about dwarves. Uh, the little, <laughs> I'm assuming, is metaphorical but okay so it looks like we're in the 19th century like new england kind of i mean you just said that the louisa may alcott house is in um 
Concord. So. I gave it away. I thought Way that was common knowledge. Well. Sorry, no, I, I mean it looks it, it looks New Englandy in the ads. I was gonna guess it was either that or like Virginia or something, but something. Not Virginia. Okay, I'm well. from Virginia. No, all right. Yeah, well, it looks it looks very you know like Anne of Green Gables ish. Sure. Yeah. So, what I think is you'll have this family where all the men are gone. Either like it's the 1800s, so either they died in the war. Or they were carried off by, like, the Scarlet Grip, you know? And these women, you know, there's, like, the mom, maybe a grandma, and, like, all the... There's at least four chicks, like, you know, young young daughters. Chicks, huh? Yeah, there's at least four chicks. Four little women, exactly. And they're like, okay, um, we're just women in the world, and it's the 1800s, which means our lives have no value. So how do we make ends meet and survive? And it's like, they maybe have a little money set aside, but I'm guessing they're not rich. And so it's all about how they make money and stay above water and make ends meet. And maybe, every, you know, the town is like wealthy old money, New England. And so they're all like looking down their noses at them as they have to take like jobs like being a governess and stuff like that or maybe like one of them is gonna have to like marry for money and it goes against what her heart wants you know so oh timothy chalamet is in it so okay so one of them flopping around (laughs) yeah (laughs) just like picking peaches all day so all right so like one of them is gonna be in love with timothy chalamet he'll be like the boy next door who she loves but she's gonna have to marry some fucking shitty baxter who has a lot of money because the family needs the money and you know this doomed romance will happen and then you know another one is gonna have to go become a governess and it's like everyone treats her like garbage because it's a blue collar job in this society and that's what happens and then i don't know what the other two do oh i do know one thing i know one of them's gonna either get super sick or die because she falls through the ice and gets hypothermia i know one of them falls in the ice i hear that a lot i have no comment okay someone 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 goes out on a, on a frozen lake and falls through the ice that's something i've heard and yeah i think so i think that's the basic premise of the plot is we're poor we need to make money and everyone's treating us like garbage because we're poor and we're doing all these things to make money and you know it is new england so everyone is an asshole and that's that's going to be our big struggle here How'd I do? Am I right? Uh, do you, no, do you no want comment. to know? No, no I don't want to know. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm, yeah. You guys have got really good poker faces. I'm trying to yeah, get a read on how I'm doing. It's making me, you guys aren't giving anything away. It's making me nervous. Dave, do you have anything in your head as far as bits of dialogue or lines that you associate with the novel or or in general? <sighs> no. I was watching The Simpsons earlier. Yeah, I'm thinking of The Simpsons as well. <laughs> I get so oh much my of my yes. pop culture references from The Simpsons. It's shameful. I do, I do have um, a, a, I don't think it's a line. This Well, it's about the novel, which is that uh, Ned Flanders identifies the proprietor of Moe's Tavern, Moe Sislak, as the gentleman who reads the <laughs> yes. poor people. And there is a cut to him where you're like, and that's when she realized they were no longer little girls. They were little women. They were little women. It's a pretty good Mo the bartender. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes, that, that is probably my most major 
association with this book. That's the yeah. thing I know most yeah. about Little Women is that scene from The Simpsons, <laughs> frankly. Which I happened to see today. Um, I do know one other thing, and this is just something that I know because I heard in like the discussion about this adaptation, which is that it's changed slightly from the way the book is, which is that the book has a happy ending and the movie plays with time a little bit structurally. And either that, like, changes the ending or, like, makes it play differently. But I think that that's kind of more of a meta prediction. It's not even a prediction. It's just something I heard. So I do know that going in. But I don't know exactly how that's going to play out or what it means or how it's going to change anything or if it's going to make it a sad ending or what. But that's... Maybe I mean, they, I also don't know. Maybe they don't become little women at the end. Maybe and, since, and from then on, they were forever little girls. <laughs> so when we get there, I have a bunch of information about the the book itself and how things were changed and, and choices that were made. So we can talk about that Ooh. after we watch it. I'm okay. looking forward to that. Here's something I'm looking forward to when we all come back. If, Dave, you, in fact, your prediction is correct that there are four little women I want us to think of which who each of us represents. I was going to suggest that too. Yeah. I like that a lot. Oh my, okay. yeah, kind of a four sex of in the them, city. Four of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, Are or, you a Miranda? Or, or, Are you a Samantha? Or a, who's the Leonardo? Who's the Donatello? Kind yeah, of, yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. Matriarch, I'm patriarch, down for that. craftsman, and I clown. Already, yeah, I have mine. <laughs> Let's see. Did I have any other stuff? Oh, I guess I did want to mention why i picked this movie for us to do because it was down to doing this or parasite which i know will we talked about last time when we did 1917 um and i predicted it would definitely win the oscar yeah well i I, and i (laughs) i agreed with you to be fair and we were super wrong (laughs) super duper wrong download and listen to that episode if you want to hear me and will be embarrassingly wrong about how the Oscars are going to go, but um, I am in this uh, second year of the podcast. I'm attempting to see more movies kind of off the beaten path of what I would normally go for. So that includes movies that are in this genre, which is, you know, kind of like, prestige Oscar Beatty period PC literary adaptations, especially from like this time period and also like women's stories like, and, and this is also a movie directed by a woman too. Those are not movies I typically watch. So I'm kind of going out of my way to pick this one because that's what I'm trying to do. I think that is excellent. I am very curious to hear what other, movies you might put together with this particularly when you say this time period or this genre because i have i i I have seen a number of people lump a bunch of things together that i'm like those are actually very very different yeah i mean i guess in like in my head i would lump this together with jane austen adaptations right different with an english accent different time periods but yeah yes they are all women's stories so i will and written by women so they they go together in that genre but um and they all different time period they and they also just sort of have the feel of like they feel it's not this that 
they are the same time period is that they feel like a period piece yeah. and that it's about we'll get more of this into part two yeah. in part two i think but it's like they feel it's like a little bit what we talked about last week in that they have the feel of like kind of a glossy oscar Beatty kind of film mm-hmm. and so that is the last thing that i wanted to bring up about this movie which is that i am a little concerned that it might be a little boring now i've heard extremely good things about this film from a, a lot of different sources, including from a lot of manly men who said that they loved it. I'm sorry, what manly men do you know? Oh, I don't know any <laughs> of them personally. I just saw them on TV. Okay. Come now, Aaron. But um, I, I take to heart that perhaps this will upend my personal prejudices, that this is the kind of thing that I would find a little dull. And so we'll see. I, I, I have high hopes that it does. But we'll see what happens. Does anyone else have anything they want to weigh in on about this? I mean, I'm we... also concerned I might find it a little boring. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, I, I mean, do you have any history with, um, you know, movies that are in this genre? That are in this genre? I, I don't typically watch women's stories in this genre or in this time period. I watch a lot of them. Um, but you do not find them boring. I do not find all of them boring. I find many of them tragically bad and then also boring. I've definitely but seen But not all of them. Yeah. There are many wonderful ones, right? I'm more I'm more I've seen a lot more uh like turn of the century, nineteen hundreds to like World War Two stories than I have in this time period, like c- civil war time. Yeah. So so when you say like uh Going back to Jane Austen, right? So one of my favorite, I can't even call it a movie, but the six-hour <laughs> Pride and Prejudice from the BBC is one of my absolute favorites. The Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice, I'd like to burn it and throw it out a window <laughs> and run it over with a truck because I hate it so much. Mm. So um, there are many of these things. And I don't find the six-hour version boring. I, I do not like the shorter one. Um, I think <laughs> that it'll look pretty. hope so. I think the costumes will be nice. Well, it did win the Oscar for Best Costuming. So... Oh, see, I didn't even know that, but... Oh, yeah, spoiler alert. Well, all right. In that case, I think we're all ready, and we should probably go because we want to make sure we actually, like last week, don't get um, preempted by a sold-out theater again. Yeah. So let's go see Little Women. Chicklets. <laughs> they were Little Women. <laughs> They were little women. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't they, though? Weren't they? Oh, Aww. boy. So, we're back. We saw that movie. We sure did. Um, I guess I want to start by talking a little bit about why I felt it was important that I see this movie. All right. Sure. I got a little bit into it in the first part, and it's that... Uh, you know, going along with the theme of this season, I wanted to see more films that I don't normally see. Why don't I normally see films like this? As a boy, this is not the kind of movie I normally see. Nothing blows up. Nobody gets alien eggs implanted inside them. Nobody gets... Well, except Beth, maybe. Well, we, we can't be quite sure. That's true. 
but nobody gets mutated into a living liquid and wears a spandex outfit fighting crime. You know, it's not the kind of movie I normally go for. It's a movie about women. It's a movie about people, but sure. It's Uh, a movie about women. I refuse to recognize women as people, but you know (laughs) what I mean. It's like, you know, it's the kind of movie that I as a dude would normally avoid. And so I felt like it was important that I go out of my way to see it. But I was a little afraid that I would find it boring. Did you? And? And I did. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, however, I didn't find it boring the whole way through. Sure. Some of it I loved, actually. I liked a lot of it. Mostly, I just thought it was too long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, By the end of it, I was getting really antsy, and I think it has a little bit of Return of the King syndrome, where it's kind of ending for 20 minutes. The ending was long. And, um, I mean, I haven't read the book, so I don't have that kind of, like, you gotta be, you gotta have fidelity to the source material, so I I, would have been like, cut an hour out of this thing you know so, but but that uh, just to i'll yeah. let you let you talk but just to finish the thought i did like it but to a certain extent it did kind of fulfill some of my fears i think if it wasn't quite so long i might have liked it a little better okay go oh so i said earlier that i i hated the movie and when we started watching it like the first like i don't know 30 minutes or so i was like this movie is much better than I remember it being. And then we got to the end and I was like, right, I need to get out of this movie theater. <laughs> so I think there's also something I of like, I the, I had most recently seen the end and that was my strongest reaction. Because yeah, I, I feel like the second half of it was just like... Drags. <sighs> yeah, I would agree. I was really feeling it for like the first half and yeah. the second half really drags. Except for one thing, which maybe we'll get to that was sure. very powerful. But, um, you know... What about you two? So, uh, Will, why don't you go first? Well, I've seen it already, so I want to get the raw opinion of Aaron. Well, then, Aaron, why don't you go first? Okay, sure. Ladies first, I suppose. What did you think? Uh, I actually, I liked it. I also thought the ending was way too long. (laughs) The very ending. Mm -hmm. I felt like the ending scene was like 45 minutes It just keeps going on. I, like... When they cut to the book, like they finished making the book Little Women, it like it it mirrors an earlier shot of the book Little Women that's like right at the beginning of the movie. I was like, okay, this will be the last shot of the movie. Like this will be the end, right? Nope, still more. And it's all like these like pointless shots in this montage set to music of just like, here's more of like Joe looking through a window and like. (laughs) It was a lot of that for uh, sure. Like just cut to black, please. Right. Um, I thought it had a lot of the playfulness of Ladybird. Uh, I definitely felt flavors of that. Uh, and I thought that kind of kept it light and fun, a little breezy, where they could have it could have been darker. And I liked that. Yeah, in general, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. Um, Will. So I think you guys are all a bunch of jaded, impatient millennials. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Amen. just sit there for 10 fucking minutes and enjoy it and let mi- two, two hours. hours. Two and a half hours already. Two hours. You're, we're talking about the ending specifically, oh, okay? Oh, because I understand that you're like, okay, this is getting to the end. This is getting to the end. But just enjoy it. I mean, the 
I guarantee you, if you actually clocked the time between when you thought it should have ended and when it actually ended, less than 10 minutes. I guarantee but it to all it of you. But if it feels like more than that, they've clearly done something wrong. No, and- no. This is, the <laughs> fault is on the three of you as viewers as being accustomed to staring at your phone, this Twitter generation. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I okay, thought you were the boomer. same age as us. I'm like at least a year older than everyone here, oh. possibly two. Oh, so, I see. <laughs> well. But not only that, um, or, 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 but it's not, it's not that. It's, it's just that you have to train yourself to appreciate things that happen at a more deliberate pace. I don't think I should have to train myself to appreciate various like i should appreciate what i appreciate that's fine but you've have trained yourself to not appreciate things guys spend at least an hour a week just watching a log (laughs) (laughs) i think i just did didn't i there were so many stately shots of new england forest exactly and if you uh took the time out of your life to appreciate the majesty of nature and of looking at a log it was you would pretty, be like, well, that log enough. has a lot of colorful leaves on it. And plus, there's people talking about some shit in the foreground about I, how they want to get married or not get married anymore or whatever the fuck. I had enough. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of majesty in my life. I appreciate it. It's great. I think, yeah, I, I think I agree with you on this. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just but, your generation, man. But I, I also. You're in our generation. How old are you? You're an old millennial. I'm like 67 or something. I don't know. I also feel like I'm coming across harder on the movie than I mean to be because I did substantially like it most of the way through. I think it's um, probably the end dragging left kind of, you know, the fact that that was at the end. It's like you said, Emily, like that the, that that was the last thing it left me with probably hurts it a little bit. But I, I liked a lot of it. It's just that last scene. Like I liked the no, merriment. No, it's more than that. I was, <laughs> For me, I was, it was the last scene. I, I, I really enjoyed the merriment of all the, the scenes leading up to the last scene. There was plenty in the second half where I was starting, I was getting a little bored, but... I guess we'll loop back to that. I, I guess wanna, here's oh, my. I'll just I'll just make this one last point because I think it being a little boring was part of its charm. I'll just go there, and that exactly, Dave, gets to your point of why you wanted to see this. There aren't things blowing up. There aren't like crazy robots or aliens or all this other shit that we're accustomed to seeing. There aren't fast cuts and all this stuff. It's just. Life. And look, it's not the type of movie I generally go to either. And I'm with you. I mean, it's typically something that I probably wouldn't have seen. I ended up seeing it because of, uh, you know, family at, at Christmas and it was the thing that was happening. But I found it delightful and charming all throughout, even if I was a little antsy. But the antsiness was on me. I, I just think that there are ways to do this type of story that is slow moving and intentional without it feeling boring. And I, I have other movies that I think do that well so yeah i, I mean i i think i've seen like older films that have a slower pace you know a, a pace that's much slower than what we're used to now and yet i still enjoy them kind of a little bit more than i, I did don't with this mm, i don't remember if the 1994 movie was chronological or also split up um, but I think it was chronological. Yeah, I've so, actually I've seen part of it recently on TV, and it is chronological. And I also think that if you sat through that movie, you'd probably be a little bit more, more bored by it because it's much more conventional in the storytelling approach. I, I, well, yeah, that my point is, yeah, I enjo- actually enjoyed the way the story was told. I thought it yeah. was effective, and I thought that um, it was easy to see 
It wasn't difficult to tell when they were going back and forth without saying anything. Oh, yeah. yeah one thing Except to- for Florence Pugh playing like a six-year-old girl. <laughs> I, I, I will say, having not being familiar with the book or any other adaptations, um, that storytelling technique where it was broken up chronologically and they kept looping back and forth between the present and the past, I thought that was very well done and I was never lost. I mean, there were a lot of visual cues. Right. That, you know, the past was always in this kind of golden Thomas Kincaid yes. hue. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, it was, but with, with being subtle enough without having to be like... Well, it's always happy Seven times. years ago, right? Yeah, yeah every time. time. Yeah. Right. But also, um, I it was it was good enough where I even felt like I have difficulty imagining the story even being told any other way. Yeah, same. Like I, I couldn't even imagine it how you could tell the story in chronological order because the way the incidents were done this way just seemed so appropriate. Uh, you guys, you look like you want to say something, to, and then uh, I'll I'll jump at you. Okay, well, yeah. okay. Um, so. Do you think, because I found this, and, my, and I've seen it twice, so I've had a little bit of time to think about it. The antsiness I felt, or or the intermittent boredom, I think had to do a little bit with that storytelling method. Because if it was like the 94 version, where it's a very conventional movie storytelling approach, you can kind of clock the end of it at any given time. You can kind of say, okay, we're like, even if you're not putting it into those words, but you're like, we're halfway through act two. We got about 40 minutes left in this thing. Whereas since it's going back and forth all the time, um, and, and kind of, I don't want to say a haphazard manner because I think it was thought out, but in a way that we're not, you know, really perceiving or, or, you know, we're kind of, we were catching maybe a little bit time. more rootless. So right. we just felt the time more. I that's think possible. that's it. And, but I think that was intentional. I think on a second viewing, it's what I liked about it because I think it's more like um, sort of real life. I mean, I kind of felt like the second time watching it, like I was Dr. Manhattan, just kind of experiencing <laughs> all times at it's once. Oh, wow. It made you feel like Dr. Manhattan. Wow. Amy's about to that's fall right. through the ice. <laughs> so, so I think um, because I have read the book. So I actually read the book again before I watched this. So I read the book like two months ago. Right, so I'm very recent on the book. You're like steeped um, in the Alcott. Steeped here. Um, and I think actually being a little bit further away from the book helped viewing the movie. So the book is set up where the first half is the early years and then the second half is the later years. And each chapter, because like remember he, he referenced like, we'll call that chapter like under the umbrella, whatever. Yeah. Each chapter is set up as like, a little tiny sermon with a moral and it starts with like oh the girls like don't want to do a lot of work and okay we'll let you not do chores for a week and by the end they're like marmy it was such a terrible idea to not do chores it's so awful right and the uh... whole thing is super sermony and so like i think hmm. seeing the movie right after reading the book i had all of those pieces in my mind whereas now i'm a couple months out from reading the book and i was able to like step back at the beginning and really just like watch the movie for the movie um so i i'll be very frank i hate the book i hate it a lot i hated it when i read it in fifth grade and i hate it when i read it two months ago but i think the second viewing was better than the first Hmm. okay i want to dive into a few specific things um we had one thing we want to get into i know but before we even do that I had something that I was thinking about through the entire movie. Now, for those of you listening at home, I don't want to be too specific, but this is a uh, outside of Boston located podcast. We are all 
suburbs of Boston located, right? Yeah. Fair. So fair to say that all of us are familiar with the town of Concord. Yes. Totally. So throughout the entire movie, I was thinking the marshes are supposed to be poor or relatively speaking poor, correct? And I was kind of right on that. There were a lot of things in my predictions that were like sort of right, but not not quite right, but like close. Yeah. Yeah. Like there wasn't uh, there wasn't a boy that everybody loved, but there was kind of like a love triangle. Maybe kind of a boy boy that everyone loved. loved. Love pentagram. Yeah. Well, but not everyone loved him because Joe didn't love him. But she, yeah, she loved him like a brother. uh, The the question I want to ask though is like, so they all live in this house, and I keep looking at this house, and I'm like, okay, this house in Concord today. <laughs> How much do you think millions. that house sells for? I, so I th- many millions. I would say Definitely two and a half million dollars. Yeah, two point yeah. five mil. Two and a half million Easy. dollars. Yeah. I mean, the literally Marsh that house. The Marsh House. Literally that house, as we spoke about, is is now a historical site. So I mean, it would cost much more than that. Is actually yeah, yeah, government yeah. protected but, property? But, like, but a house like that, yeah, two point five mil. Sure, that's what I was thinking. Well, they're they're kind of like rich and then become poor, right? So I don't think they're, they're like poor necessarily. They're, they're middle, middle class. class. Yeah, they they were rich that now they have to work, but they're not like the Hummels, like living in a shack with That's no insulation. True. Poor. They're like we used to be able to be debutantes and not work, and now one of us has to teach, and one and of us. Meg you know. backslides even more because yep. she marries Shut that her teacher. Love. Yeah, yeah. Ew. Um, <laughs> stupid. But Her I, dreams are just as valid. Um, okay, Meg. But where does where does mean Aunt Meryl Streep get her money? Why doesn't she share the money with her brother? She's old money. But She's, so, so okay. her brother right, also I can, be like I can oh, backstory this. Please do. Which is that they were rich and the father like lost all his money in some sort of like educating the poor sort of scheme. Some and very they, they threw thing. they threw a sentence in there, but like. He's bad with money, and he lost all the money, and so now they all have to work. I see. But he lost it in some sort of, like, noble pursuit. Yes. By I father, see. you He's mean very... Bob Odenkirk? Sure, the or guy who came Bob back from the war. Odenkirk. The guy who came back from the war. Which, by Marie's the way, husband. I mean, good on him for having a career post-Mr. Show that includes dramatic roles where he's getting a lot of credit. <laughs> but the fact that, like, the guy walks into the house and it's Bob fucking Odenkirk <laughs> took me out of the movie. <laughs> and he says, me too. And not only that, he says, look at my little women. <laughs> <laughs> the use of the word women in this movie is a lot. It's kind of, it is a little sermony at times when they talk about women. So well, he's sermony. a preacher. So... Isn't he? He's a minister he, or yep, something? he's a minister. But every time they go on kind of a sort of speech about women, it's, it's very preachy. Yeah, they've gone from like religious preachy to like feminist preachy. Which like, yeah. I love me some fem- feminist preachy, but like. But it was, well, it kind of was, it stuck out a little yeah. too much. That's kind of a thing too, where occasionally, and I didn't feel like this movie was really like that, but um, occasionally I wind up not feeling attracted to a film because I feel like it's going to be like that. It's like, it's going to be less a movie and more like a lecture. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. sort of like explaining what the movie's supposed to be telling you, but not subtly. Yeah, yeah like if a movie's going to have like a feminist message or a feminist character, I'd rather she just sort of like be there and you just do it yeah. rather than like- for it. Talk about it. Y- or yeah, just like, I don't want to be hit over the head with it. Yeah. I, I, don't, I want to see a movie. I don't want to see a lecture. You know, like Furiosa is awesome. Yeah. That movie didn't have to explain it to me. 
mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And actually, this movie, frankly, there were a few moments that were, like, really fucking on the nose. Like, I think at the end where they're talking about, you know, maybe these stories aren't important or thought of as important because no one writes about them and et cetera, et cetera. I was like, holy shit. But well, listen, not uh, everyone's trying to be subtle. Yeah, yeah. But but I would say actually apart from that, like really standout moment, the rest of it was straightforward and not like that. So, yeah, you know. Well, and I think some of those moments are added because, like I said, the the original version is much more preachy and like a religious like like some of those conversations that feel really on the nose and really modern. I think really are modern and on the nose, mm. right? And they are. Yeah. The interpretation that Greta Gerwig has mm. put on the story that she read in her younger life. So, right? Emily, yeah. I'm, I'm interested because you've recently read the novel and none <laughs> of us have ever, ever read it. Um, the scenes in which she's, you know, with the publisher and they have that conversation and it's kind of a subplot throughout the movie and it's kind of a meta commentary on what's going on as well. Is any of that in the book, or is that historically what happened to Louisa May Alcott, or is it just completely made up by Greta Gerwig to make a political point? So I, I, so here's where I admit that I didn't actually manage to finish the book. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, so I think some of that is in there, but I think a bunch of it is also added to like make the point, um, and particularly that conversation around um, giving the it a marriage happy ending. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I noticed also, and this is a nice little bit of directing by Greta Gerwig, the scene, once they're, you know, they're talking about it in the office, and then once it cuts back to the carriage and she gets out at the station, it is done in such a cheesy, yes. romantic movie style. Yes. I it's thought that was well done. fucking raining. Yeah, yep, you know? it's raining. Everything is so over the top. I decided I couldn't live without you. Like, yep. it's practically the the sprint through the airport. Yeah. You know, like it was just, I, I thought that was hilarious. And it was I weird because I was the only one in the audience laughing. Well, I mean, I think it, I think it intentionally leaves it open of like, did this actually happen? Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's the only part where you're like, okay, and now we're rom-coming. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a nice line, uh, line read there too when she says fine it was just like a really nice matter of fact like fine yeah because uh, Louisa May Alcott did not marry hmm right, there's like all sorts of speculation about her yep so really? I mean Joe is considered a queer icon right, right? Oh, um, I did not know that so that's why it's kind of unfortunate yeah because it you don't really get the sense that she's interested yeah. In marriage or men at all right. until the end of the book where they just kind of throw it in. So yeah. in the, the book, story, it, I, I guess say. then you're Not saying the it does feel like a tacked on ending. Yes, so, uh, so I do feel that way. There's like a bunch of material around the ending of this story where a publisher made her put it in and she's like, fine. I'm not going to have her marry Lori. She's going to marry this random German guy that she met at the boarding house who's described as like schlubby and like not very nice. I and liked him. See, see, he was much more attractive and much nicer in the movie than he is in the book. Okay. <laughs> in the 94 version, because I recently saw it, that character is played by Gabriel Byrne. Yeah. Which is strange because even ninety four, he was like forty seven years old. <laughs> he's also he's supposed to be like twenty years older than her. Like it's like oh, a whole okay. thing. So, like okay, he's supposed so to be an gotcha. older okay. German professor who's like the only person who told her that she sucked at writing, and she's like, "Oh, okay, I'll marry you." Mm-hmm. Like and that was like Louise May Alcott's way of like sticking it to the publisher. Mm. All right. Well, I think we've got to now circle back to the most important question about this movie: Who's who? 
We're already on that part. I felt like I'm so excited about this part. We'll talk about other things too, but I think we have to really establish this before I we go on. I want to talk about how floppy Timothy Chalamet is in this movie. <laughs> we will talk about <laughs> this. We will. We will. Trust me. So floppy. But um, who is who? Would you, Will, you seem to have some thoughts on this. Would you like to go first? You know, it's unfair because I think all of us would want to choose Joe for ourselves, nope. right? No. No. Want to? Yes, but I don't think it would be the truth. And if I learned one thing about being a Joe, it's that I got to tell the truth, even if it's uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, I think if if you insist on being a Joe, it means you're an Amy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself Beth because I'm pretty sure I'm gonna die young, and I've only got like two more years to do that. Someone thinks he's an angel too good for this world. (laughs) He's the best of us, Aaron. Well, I mean, I don't know. I I don't feel like I strongly identify with any of them, like, 100%. Okay, Meg. Oh! I mean, there's some of Meg. I feel like I am partially Meg. Um, I I feel, like, partially Joe, but definitely not Joe overall. I don't have her, like, petulance. And I don't have her, like, anger. Oh, you you guys, actually, I was wrong about one thing. Um, something does blow up in this movie, and it's Joe's fiery temper. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> and her book. I guess that just burns. Oh, yeah. Right There's a lot of burning. In this There's movie. a lot of book burning, actually. It's like a German rally in this movie. Anyway, please go <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like a Beth, too, though. Interesting. Interesting. All right, so I would not say this after reading the book, but from this movie... Hashtag Team Amy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Amy was kind of the best. Oh, she was absolutely the best. Yeah. I don't feel like I am an Amy. But she uh, is responsible for my favorite part of the film. I'll say that. Florence yeah. Pugh for the win. She yeah. is so good in this. She's really fucking yeah. good in this. She's was fantastic. She yeah. nominated? She was what? nominated she for was. Best Sporting Actress yeah. for the show. I wrote it down, yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, so, yeah. Oh, I think, didn't Laura yep. Dern win? Laura Dern won, but, but not, not for this, for this. Marriage okay. Story. I'll, I'll tell right. you, so the Oscar nominations for this movie were uh, Best Picture, Best Actress for Saoirse Ronan, Best Supporting Actress for Florence Pugh, Best Adapted Screenplay, and then Best Costume Design, which is the one that it won. Cool. So, yeah. I'm surprised it didn't get cinematography. It really made New England look nice. Absolutely. isn't hard to do. But <laughs> so many leads. Maybe that's why I didn't get uh, nominated, because oh. New England looks real nice. I yeah. feel like there was some work in post there as well, because some of those wide shots, particularly the scene in which uh, Joe she and, and uh, Timothy Chalamet are, are arguing on that hillside. And yeah. you just have the, at the end, you've got the very wide shot like that should have the entire Boston postcard. skyline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. There's, it's beautiful. It. Yeah. There's yeah. several scenes of this movie that look like paintings and postcards, especially yeah. that uh, scene, the scenes on the beach looks like they, those all the look amber like, scenes not the like, later also, like yeah. did they just like shoot exclusively at magic hour like there's a lot of really good work with light in this movie yes definitely yeah. um well anyway um as to who i am mm-hmm. i am going to break the mold and say i am not any of the girls but i felt very much like i am a frederick oh the 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 professor Friedrich? The, the foreign guy who yeah. joe marries yeah oh, I okay. Felt very all right attached. that's I, cool very much like him because you can do that there's a part early on, one of the parts that I really liked, which is um, he gives her some really honest feedback. <laughs> and she's like, well, what? you know what? 
fuck you. You're just a critic because you don't have any goddamn talent. And I was like, oh, you bitch. Because that's what, you know, that's like a pretty common retort when you get criticism, right? It's like, you're only saying this because you don't have any talent yourself. But he like handles it very, like so well. He's just like, well, I, you know, I agree. I don't have that kind of talent. I don't have the talent that you do, but like I can recognize talent and you have it. And I don't think you're living up, you know, it's just like really like smart and cogent criticism. And I like good critics yeah i like and i like that guy i don't know <laughs> yeah. i like i like frederick and also he's a hot sophisticated european i'd mm-hmm. like to be that mm-hmm. yeah wouldn't mind i feel like there's a lot of scenes where men are just being really mean like monotone like in a monotone <laughs> voice well i mean the, the chalamet character teddy you're right yeah I mean, callow youth but he's yes. just his whole thing is he's being petulant and i don't know i i kind of feel like um I've kind of played that role in certain in 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 certain uh, kind of social circles where it was like a lot of women, and I was kind of you know uh, goofy and tr- slightly trying to kind of be with all of them, but not really being with any of them at the same time, and kind of having that sort of relationship where I'm just like a petulant dick all the time, and they sort of tolerate it. Sure. So you're you're kind of a Lori, is that what you're saying? Uh, maybe, maybe I think I might be a Lori instead of a Beth. And I'm sorry. Which one did you? You're going, Amy. You're with an. You're an Amy. I appreciate her forthrightness and um, also selfishness. I feel like that that resonates with me. So, mm. <laughs> her fighting spirit. Well, the characters I admire are not necessarily the ones that I, I self-identify with. Is the thing sure? And I'm not saying Amy is all good, right? No, she's. she's I think terror the best as character. a child. <laughs> she's hilarious. Yeah, I think she's definitely the best part of this movie, personally. So, in if general, I had to pick one of the girls, I think I'd probably be a Meg. But you know, mm. whatever. Just very straightforward and practical. Mm. So I will say, I think this is the first time. Like this movie is the first time that anyone has ever wanted to be Amy because she comes off terrible. In the book. She comes, comes off terrible, terrible in the, the old. Yeah, but she comes around as an adult. Like, there's basically no redeeming value to her in some of the previous versions. Interesting. Like, well, I think though, I mean, the, Joe and Amy have the most complex relationship. You know, mm-hmm. Amy's always taking the things that were first meant for Joe that she like kind of rejects, but then resents that Amy gets. Yeah. Um, you can see if that's like based on an actual sibling. Yeah, rivalry. an actual sibling situation. You can see. Yeah, well, there's truth in that. All right, I mean, I guess I might as well just bring it up now. Amy has what I think is the best part of the whole movie, which is her little speech to Laurie uh, in her art studio where she talks about how she feels like she was always second best and how she second Mm -hmm. best to Joe and how she has always loved... Laurie has just proposed marriage to her. And she doesn't want to marry him because she loves him and always has, but she feels like he wanted Joe, which he did. And she turned him down and she feels like he's just settling for her because she's just, you know, the silver medal like she's felt like her entire life. And this also comes on the heels of her talking about how as a woman in this society, as I jokingly talked about beforehand, but... (laughs) is actually true her life has very little value in the society she lives in and she has very circumscribed choices and you know it's difficult for her and this is making things even more difficult because of the few choices she does have he's now plopping this shit in her lap so 
please don't do this to me. You Absolutely. Know, it was beautifully delivered. I, I thought it was the best part of the entire movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Well-deserved Oscar nomination. Agreed. I, I thought she was fantastic. got it yeah. for a marriage story. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Awkward. she was really good in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, Mom. Laura Dern was um, good in this too, though. She was, but she was also kind of just Laura Dern. I didn't think she did a great yeah. job in this. Like, I like her in general, but I felt like it was it was too much Laura Dern coming through. Absolutely, it's interesting. I it's sort of like her character in the Star Wars movies. Yeah, and she's just like, "Hi, really? I'm Laura Dern." Yeah, that's how I felt about her in that movie. I I don't necessarily agree. I think she was doing exactly what she should have done, which is literally being a supporting actress. Um, mm. You know, because she was there to basically support all these younger actresses to kind of shine in their own way. And she was just kind of, you know, there as the sort of calming presence and to just kind of be Laura Dern and give it that gravitas. And I thought she did very well. I thought Meryl Streep was awesome. Just she her was... facial expressions, yeah. her kind of subtle, like looking away eye roll, um, just being a huge bitch throughout the whole movie. I, yeah. It was hilarious. I laughed at every one of her scenes. A I huge thought, bitch, I, but not wrong about anything. No, she wasn't wrong. Absolutely. Yep. I thought everyone's like characterization was fantastic. You really got a sense of who all of the characters were. And, and as long as we're bringing up the actors, I think Chris Cooper, um, always a solid actor, always a solid actor. And, and, in this role where he's this kind of heartbroken man who's had this, you know, past loss in his life, losing a daughter and other family members. Um, and then it's kind of adopting this family of women who's, uh, who the dad is absent. Um, and then feeling that loss over again when Beth dies. Um, I, I cried a little bit when he's speaking with Joe outside the house I, and he talks about how he can't even go inside because, uh, Beth has died. And it doesn't you, feel the same without her. I, I, and if you know anything about Chris Cooper, the actor, you know, personally, he's actually a uh, local. He's a Massachusetts guy. I did not know that. And he actually did tragically lose a child of his own um, when, when he was, either. when, mm-hmm. when the child was very young. So, I mean, just knowing that personal history about him and him bringing that to the role uh, makes it, I think, powerful as well. Definitely. I will say there's a scene, um, partway through the movie where the four sisters are all like play acting together and like being like a little pretend acting troupe. And I just thought to myself, like this is a fucking murderer's row of young starlets. Like how (laughs) insane the talent that is accumulated right here. You've got absolutely Saoirse Ronan, Mm -hmm. Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, and Eliza Scanlon, who it's like you also like run the gamut from like fully established to like just cusping on like breaking out with like Florence Pugh this year and then like up and coming with Eliza Scanlon. You know, it's just like, holy shit, this is like an intimidating group of young actresses. And then Timothy Chalamet falls through the curtain. I love that. Like, scene. I'm here too. <laughs> Flopping about. And what do we this is a good Chalamet? moment to bring up Timothy Chalamet. Let's talk about this guy. So I need Floppy Tim. Again, I'm going to take on my old man persona, but it kind of seems like there's this thing that's happened. And I think it, it maybe started with DiCaprio, where like leading men are allowed to just be like spindly ass pussies. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's no Christian Bale. He's he not Christian no Bale. Christian I mean, he's not even... Um... Which one of you guys lied to me on the way there and said Christian Bale was in this movie? <laughs> oh, no, 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 Christian Bale's in the in the original one. Christian Bale not was original. the Timothy Chalamet of the Winona Ryder one. Oh, I yes. see. So, okay. so Eric, had, all excited. Eric had sent some predictions in. He's not here. 
uh, that Christian Bale was going to be awesome in this movie. And I I did not tell Dave that Christian Bale was not actually in this movie when Should I gave him Eric's role. When I gave him Eric's prediction. I see. I thought he, I do think he's a great actor, Timothy Chalamet. Oh, he's great. Uh, and I think he's fantastic in this. It's, it's he's just, very handsome, too. I, I didn't know how floppy he was going to be. Also, his legs are like so, so, so skinny. And like the pants they put him in, I can't like really that he accentuated has a really flat those, butt. those yeah. the skinny legs. I was like, Maybe a wider trouser? I don't know. There, there were definitely a few shots where I Those felt better about my own unfair. ass looking at Chalamet. <laughs> Those pants are very unflattering on him. I mean, because yes. I do agree with you, Aaron. He is a very attractive young man. Yeah. I did, did I say that? I said you that. You literally just said that. No, that was me. <laughs> but here's the thing. I've come to a point We can, we can in my listen life back. Where I'm comfortable as a heterosexual man. I thought he said he was a good man. actor. I didn't say I he was handsome. I also think he's a good actor. Yeah. I'm not just objectifying well, I, I'm going to be very clear that I am objectifying him. I just felt like they just kept putting him in clothes that were like the wrong size for him. Like his jackets were huge. <laughs> they were like down past his knees oh, as those, he's like walking through Paris with like when he's arguing a with poncho Joe, on, right? Sleeves. Like, oh, yeah. oh my god! Like, I was like, come on. Look, he is good. He's just he plays again. The fr- he kept going through my mind this phrase: callow youth. Like, well, that's kind of well, the role, right? I, so the the oh, role yeah, yeah, is yeah. like it's not fully fleshed out. Like, so when you guys were saying like they were all really fully fleshed characters, like all the women were fairly well fleshed out characters, and then a couple of the guys got additional like fleshing out in this movie. But like Laurie is just kind of like he's the neighbor, he's that guy. He comes over, he does stuff. Everyone loves him for some reason. Like he's the, Steve Urkel. Well, he's, 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 he's just Stefan Urkel. Yeah, he's, he's lovable, and he's I, I get it. He's just like a lost little poor little rich boy. Yeah, he's so, got no parents. He's living with his grandfather. I, I don't know. I understand him as like a character much more than any of the other male characters who I think are all not fleshed out at all. Like yeah, Bob, it's really like, just not Bob fair Odenkirk's. how they don't write fully yeah. fleshed out roles for men in all these <laughs> yeah. Hollywood movies. Um, Misandry. I, I would actually say uh, one of my favorite scenes in the entire film came very early on, which was um, the scene where he and Joe first meet uh, is at this uh, party, which includes a dance at this house. And uh, Joe, because her dress is burned and Meg doesn't want to be embarrassed by being associated <laughs> with someone with a burned dress, uh, doesn't want her to dance. And so uh, he suggests that they dance outside. And it's this lovely little scene i love that scene and one the music is gorgeous and two just the scene between them they have such good chemistry and honestly the scene i know i like you will am a crotchety old man at least on the inside if not on the outside but like wait what are you saying (laughs) very much that scene reminded me it, it just like it reminded me of youth. Like mm-hmm. it, it made me feel absolutely. It, it made me yeah. feel young inside. Like it made me it reminded me of like being young and like meeting someone new and like hitting it off right away and like being at like a you know a high school party and just like that sense of fun. Like everything about it just rang true for me and was just great. Oh yeah, I I loved that scene as well. That was the scene where I was where I was like, wow, I'm definitely not a Meg because that is absolutely. <laughs> I'm very much. a a Joe character in that situation. I would have want, I would not care if my sister's dress was burned. Um, But I also really feel I can really like relate to that in exactly the same way. Just, it's a really cute scene. It's very, 
it's reminded me a lot of Lady Bird's, Bird specifically, that scene, the energy in it. So what did we think of Greta Gerwig's direction? We've kind of talked around it in a few spots, but I wanted to single it out just uh, in case there are any specific things we wanted to say about it. I liked it. Yeah, I think it was good. I think she's done something interesting with it. I I think if I had to take issue, it might be more with the writing because she both wrote and directed. So I think that's part of where you got the long. I mean, in the end, do you guys approve of the time looping? Yes, yes, I do. yes. Yeah. I think it's yes. really effective. I think it helps a lot mm. and done well. Also, yes. Partway through the movie, I kept wondering to myself if maybe this would have worked better as a miniseries. I thought that at points as well. It, you know, I was like, you know, I was like, I'm feeling a little bit bored, and it might be just because I'm getting tired. I was like, could this have worked if it was like a five or six episode miniseries, or would that have been too much? I don't know. I mean, there's a ton of content that they could have used, but I feel like it's, I don't know. I thought it was better slimming it down. Like, I, I would have liked them to have cut 30 minutes off of it. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, all right. Yeah. It, it was so, just something I was thinking. I just There are a lot of kind of repeating, I, for better or worse, there's a lot of sort of repeating things throughout the movies, like the movie Dancing, Merry Mint. Yeah. There's so much of that that. Why don't we dance like that anymore? I don't know. It seems really fun. We should bring that back. Yeah, like, like a like a Virginia reel. Like, what do you mean? That like might that... turn into like a midsummer thing, though. <laughs> Florence Pugh is constantly burning things that she is not happy and, yeah. with. She's constantly burning things and like dancing in merriment. <laughs> like, also, in did you notice? Midsummer. Did you notice the uh, the the like visual motif of Meg's wedding? I was like, do yeah. not put that crown of flowers on Florence Pugh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Keep that away from her. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. So before, at some point, while we were getting to her from the movie theater, I was talking to Aaron about like remakes and my general feelings about remakes and like so there's like a billion versions of this movie and i think there are mini series versions like everyone has done it and like i have a i have a strong feeling that you shouldn't remake something unless you're going to add something to it and so i do feel like the time looping and the way that she's drawn connections from the fir- from the young ages to the old ages is interesting and something that i haven't seen done with this material so it feels like it feels like a remake that was worth making um, mm. as opposed to just like, I want to rehash it, but with newer people. Right. I, I think that's right. And I think the other thing that, um, she brought to it, it was just what we talked about before, sort of the blatant, um, politics, yeah. uh, as far as, you know, the, the meta commentary with, um, with Joe and the publisher. There's several other times that there's meta commentary. Yeah. Like I think that whole economic marriage is an economic proposition. It's, it, it is not as clearly spelled out that as that in the book. Yeah. But you know, that was a previous movie, right? That was working for me pretty much throughout the whole movie, except for that one scene where it was the three, it's, it comes at the end of the movie where the Mm -hmm. three sisters who are still alive talking about how, um, these kinds of stories are not valued, but maybe they're not valued because no one has actually written about them. And, you know, maybe if you write about them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and that I felt like was kind of hitting you over the head with the message and was too on the nose. But other than that, I felt like it was all kind of all the meta stuff was really working. Yeah. So I was referring to the one in her art studio where she's like, yeah. I can't have my own Love money. It. I won't own my own children. Right. Yeah. Own scene, children. Yeah, right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and all the scenes with the uh, with the editor between Saoirse Ronan and yeah. the editor, I thought were really good. 
So uh, I wanted to mention uh, how a few of my predictions worked out. So they weren't entirely poor. They weren't. But they were forced to kind of work for a living. Mm-hmm. And they were struggling with money. Yep. Somewhat, although in, in a somewhat privileged way. They were all writing. They all were, you know, uh, uh, Florence Pugh was painting. You know, they were traveling to Europe. Well, Florence Pugh, though, was writing on... Uh, Meryl Streep's coattails. Yeah, so. she was just a companion, right? She was being paid to be a companion. Well, sure, but I think the idea was if you want to look at poverty in that time, it was more like, you know, the family that they went and oh, visited. Sure, it was sure, like sure. living in a shack, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's just a different... But you look at uh, It's Meg, all relative. Uh, Meg, you know, goes and lives with the teacher whose name escapes me, but uh, she Brooke, starts... John Brooke. Who's, and their little cottage house, which is considered kind of a piece of shit by everybody else, that's probably worth, what, uh, $700,000? <laughs> oh, more than Easy. that. It might yeah. be up to a million. It had very tall, tall ceilings. Hmm. All right. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, and it is a attic build on a, a garage. Yeah. And, very good you know, schools, too. Very good yeah. school yeah. district. Anyway, um, you know, they're talking about how uh, they don't have enough money to afford both a dress and a coat. And the whole scene between them. One, uh, another thing with light, you notice that uh, a symbol of how poor they are. They can't afford a lot of candles, so it's very dark in their house. She talks about how they can't afford, you know, she knew when she married him that they wouldn't have a lot of money. And yet it's just so hard not to be able to afford nice things. And I just like, I felt it like, I was like, oh, it's like getting your nuts cut off. <laughs> You're kind yeah. of a Meg. <laughs> Am I, Aaron? <laughs> what do you mean by that? You like nice things. Well, I also <laughs> love how cuttingly passive-aggressive he was at the end of that scene where oh, he yeah. goes, I very much apologize that you are forced to be married to a man as poor as me and that he you can is, never have nice things. Good night to you. He is a huge bitch about it, but at the same time, like she did like kick him right in the balls yes. right before then. I know. Yes. She's like, we can't have nice things and I can't do anything about it. So Because you don't make enough money because well, you are barely a man. But she can't do anything about I know. it. Right? It's like true. I mean so I think I think thinking about like who this was published for, right? So like poverty for people who are able to buy and read books like this is going to be the I don't have enough money to attract a rich husband. It's not gonna be the Hummels in the shack buying this book and being like, yep, that's what poverty looked like. It's going to oh, be yeah. rich people sure. buying this and being like, oh, can you imagine if you didn't have a dowry with which to attract a husband? Mm. Wow, that must be very challenging, right? Yes. Like, I mean, at just Emily's How theory, awful. right? But like, I think, because you see the same things in like some of the Jane Austen stuff, right? They're poor in that they've only got two servants. Right, like yeah, they're relatively <laughs> right. poor. yeah, they're relatively poor, but they're not yeah. writing about the poorest of the poor because I just don't think you did that in that time frame, other than like, you know, Charles Dickens and like you know, oh, they're so yeah. poor, we're gonna give them stuff, yeah, totes, totes. But then they get given stuff by the people richer than them, much nicer stuff. But they also <laughs> they they give their stuff, they give Christmas uh, breakfast to the the poor family. Yeah, then they get a way better breakfast. It's for true, it. but they didn't know that when they made the decision. That does seem very um, morally, actually. Oh yeah, that that's like the very first morally story in the book. I was sort of like it, when that question is presented to them, like Laura Dern comes in and they have this like gorgeous breakfast set out for Christmas morning, and it's like, would you give up your breakfast for this poor family? And I was like, could you give up half of it? Yeah. <laughs> 
same I thought. Was like, give them some, yes. but like, yeah, because I was like, half of it, like, I, I was looking at what was laid out on their table, and it's like cakes and donuts and like all this shit. I was like, you could split this in half, feed a family of five, and still have a gorgeous Christmas like meal. I was like, give them half of it. They gave them all of it. I thought I thought the same thing. Yeah, that that would have been my response. I'd be like, "That's the we'll good Christian thing." Oh, the I good see. Christian thing, sir. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see. So, this movie made a lot of money. Do we want to take a guess at how much money this movie actually made? So, I'll give you the budget. It has a budget of forty million. How much do you think this movie made? Well, it's still counting because we saw it in the theater tonight. It is still counting. And it was almost a packed theater. So, you know, it's well, still Well, it was making, also a tiny theater. It was also a tiny theater, but it's still out there making money. So, and, yeah. you know, foreign so, markets, so blah, blah, blah. Thus far, how much do you think it's made? I'm the worst at this. I'm so bad at guessing how much money movies I'm gonna make. I'm going to say $120 million. Okay. I was going to say 112 I was going to say 160 Well, going by Price is Right rules... Aaron is the winner. Hey. On a $40 million budget, it has made $192.2 nice. million. Well done. Holy shit, right? You and go, counting. girls. Yeah. That's pretty you fucking go women. Good. Yes. <laughs> yes. You go woman, sir. Women? It's, it's, it's plural, Dave. Sirs? Well, I was I was just adapting you go girl. Oh. Okay. All right. <laughs> I buy it. Um we've made Dave feel awkward. <laughs> oh, I guess we're we're talking to Greta Gerwig, right? Yeah. Um Oh we were talking we were talking to the ensemble of Starlets. That, that <laughs> man, Murderer's Row, dude. That is a really good selection of actresses they, although they play so well off each other too i will so say much hugging it made me really want sisters emma watson's american accent not the best still a really good actress was i the only one who felt that way no the- I, I felt that way i also yeah. actually felt like i could hear uh Saoirse's, uh irish accent come through yeah. i feel like i used to f- believe that Brits always did flawless American accents. And as I got older, I started to see the cracks. Yeah, the cracks in the facade much more frequently. I think the Australians do a much better job of it. Mm. Hugh but, Laurie does a great job. Well, he does, but there is Amazing. a... Um, there's kind of a thing that I think the Brits tend... Well, British men, I would say, tend to do this when they're doing an American accent, which is that... They all go really high up into here, and it gets oh. really nasal, and it gets really gravelly, and there's a lot of vocal fry, and it's all really high up in the nose, and you can hear this with Hugh Laurie, and you can hear this with Benedict Cumberbatch and Doctor Strange, yeah. and you can hear this with, um, what's his name from Hannibal? Izzard? Eddie Izzard. Oh, Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard does it kind of like that. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like they go way up into here. Interesting and well done. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's it's like it's like a trick, and once you notice it, you start seeing it everywhere. We're gonna ruin every movie for me now. But it still works. Like it still it still is an American accent. It just like you start to see it. I noticed that Timothy Chalamet had this like wispy almost mustache. 
in several scenes and it made him look again like such a callow youth (laughs) constantly i kept wondering how deliberate it was like i'm sure it was deliberate yeah yeah because it just it made him look so weak and you know spineless and (laughs) floppy and you know like a drunk dilettante all right well let's get down to it Aaron, do you feel like this movie was better late or never I think it was better late. Uh, (laughs) You look like you're going to ask a follow-up question. I am. Okay. It's not actually a question. It's a comment. By which I mean, Aaron, that this movie is either essential or non-essential as a movie viewer. Now, justify your answer. I think it was an original way to tell the story. I really appreciated uh, the way it was told. And I think that's a good enough reason to say that it was better late. (laughs) I am going to have to agree with you. I also feel like this movie was better late, Uh, even though I didn't like it all the way through. And I thought it was too long and it was boring and it was stupid. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I do think that there were flaws to the movie and maybe some of the scenes could have been cut. But I liked a lot of it and I felt like it was an important movie to see kind of like one of these water cooler type deals where it's important to the cultural zeitgeist that I have seen this movie and I feel better for having caught up with it. Also, I mean, I'd never seen any version or read any version of Little Women, so I'm kind of glad to have gotten that in my system now, you know? So it's like eating your vegetables? Kind of. For you? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. And I mean, if you're going to eat your vegetables, it If you're going to eat your vegetables, it might as well be this version of your vegetables, right? Which, from what I gather, is a pretty good version as far as the adaptations go. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, and yeah, I enjoyed most of it. So I'm going to say better late for me as well. Now, you two, you can't exactly say better late or never, but you can say generally how you felt. Wait, why can't they say better late? Because they've seen it before. Would you so, like to? I can. Go. Can you say better you second? Held up, didn't hold up. Oh, good, bad. I think Emily, you deserve the last word, so okay. I'm going to go ahead and. And my two cents on it is, I actually think 2019 was a very strong movie year. Um, I've been saying that for a while. I've said that on this podcast. I think we're going to look back at it as we do at a year like 1999, where there are just many movies that were that continue to be influential uh, years later. And I think the story of 2019 as a movie year is not complete without Little Women. Um, so in that respect, and also, um, as you were saying, or maybe, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's faint praise to say it's eating your vegetables, but I did kind of feel like that as well where it's not the you know shiny object it's not the steak or the um chicken pot pie in front of you but it's (laughs) sorry continuing this food metaphor (laughs) hold on i'm gonna take this metaphor and just ram it down everyone's throat like celery no i i I, very good movie very i i enjoyed it um both times and not a movie that i would generally go to my way to see um genre wise and so forth but i'm glad that i saw it the first time and i'm glad i saw it with all of you today thank you oh did you think it was better the first time or second time you saw it? i actually thought it was better the second time um because i think i actually felt a little less antsy i kind of knew everything that was coming 
and I just kind of let it flow over me. Also, I was less... I think the first time I saw it, I was a little frustrated with the kind of time looping thing because I always had to remind myself like when we were. Um, and I the second time through, I didn't worry about that as much because I already knew. All right. Well, uh, here I go. Um, so I don't think it's essential. I think that there will always be another version of Little Women. And I think that Little Women as source material is inherently flawed. And so I don't feel like it is a classic that people must see. I I think no matter how much wrapping paper and lipstick you put on it, it has structural flaws that I don't think can be overcome. Uh, I think it was better the second time around, but I think that in five years, it's not going to be on anyone's list of things that they needed to have seen. And I, and I'm, and I'm going to, and I feel really bad doing this. I actually think 2019 was a terrible year for movies. I think pretty much everything that was nominated for Best Picture was not very good. Mm. And so I just think this is going to be one of those years that everyone's like, God, there was nothing to nominate. So we picked some stuff and like, let's just move on and hope that 2020 is better. So like, I'm fascinated by this difference of like experience that we've had. Perhaps. And um, I would just like to say, okay, if we take um, Greta Gerwig, Let's mm-hmm. let's assume that she's going to go on and do lots more important work. Okay. Uh, don't you think that this is going to be an essential movie just in uh, in in her overall career? I think sure. If you want to look at essential Greta Gerwig, yeah. But are you looking at essential movies for understanding like what? I mean, if you're if you want to understand 2019, sure. But I, I don't think that it's, I don't think it's going to stand the test of time. I think there will be another version in 10 years that everyone will love. And then there'll be another version 10 years after that, that everyone will love. And I think it's just going to continue on and, and. Well, what's wrong with that? Uh, nothing. I just think it doesn't make it essential, right? I think it, it doesn't make it a thing that you like, no one's like, I got to go see the Hepburn version, right? But it was fine too. So I yeah, I just don't think it's going to be a a cultural touchstone for very long because I think it I think little women is something that speaks to generations, right? So there's something in this story that Greta Gerwig associated with and that lots of women do, right? That they they read it as a child in the right timing and they're like, "Oh, I'm a Meg or oh, I'm a Joe or I'm a whoever," right? And then they're attached to it. And then you make a movie about it. And everyone goes, oh, that was a thing from my childhood. And I love it, right? I don't think that makes any particular version of it essential. And while I think this one was good, I still think that uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with the story that's just, like, not very good. (laughs) I would be interested to rewatch the 94 movie and see if the message is as powerful, like, the ideas are as, as powerful as they are in this movie. I think um, they're different ideas, right? The political statements aren't there. It's it's a different story, right? Some they've put a different cultural spin on it, and I think that's what's going to happen the next time it gets made. Fair enough. I think because it's different, the cultural spin that they put on it, mm-hmm. that's what I find more essential about it. Sort of like a marker of 2019. Mm-hmm. Like this yeah. is sort of what the cultural climate is in 2019. So like as a marker of that. Just in the same way that you watch 80s movies, even the stylization is very like 2019. It's very a very modern stylization yeah. of all the characters. I think that's interesting 
in general, just like you watch a movie from the 80s and you're like, oh, this movie is telling me something about the 80s. Yeah. Um, I think that's why for me it's essential. Well, I think to clarify, right, I think your point about like the cultural zeitgeist, like I think if you haven't seen it now, it's like it's a little bit weird, right? Like everyone's seen it. It's made $190 million, right? Um, I just don't think that if you told someone in 10 years that you hadn't seen it, that they'd be like, what? You didn't see it? They'd be like, oh, yeah, no. Have you heard about the one that's coming out in two years, right? Like, Emily, to tell you the truth, this has actually never happened before on this podcast. But you have convinced me, and I am changing my vote. I am going now, to... You're such a Timothy Chalamet. I know, right? <laughs> flip, flop Floppy, everywhere. Flip and flopping all over all the right, place. So you're going to marry Job and now you're just going to marry Meg. Yeah, Whatever. Amy. 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 Whatever. Um, I'm going to say, so I think the acting in this was great and the you know directing was interesting and it was clearly like beautiful cinematography and... There's a lot to recommend this movie, and again, I liked a lot of scenes in it, and there was plenty to recommend this film. I cried a couple of times in the theater. Um, I cried when Beth died. Dude, not made of stone. Yeah. (laughs) But um, that being said, Emily, you kind of sold me on this idea that what I was viewing as essential was more little women- and not this little women. And so I am going to continue to say I think that uh, it is better late for me that I finally took in the story Little Women, and that is better late, and I'm glad that I got that. But um, for this particular version, yeah, you've convinced me. It is. I don't think I need this particular version of Little Women in particular. It's a never. Wow. Wow, indeed, I know. I've never been convinced <laughs> to change my vote before, but I have now. So there you well, go. Good job. Oh, well, you. I mean, I you know, I was thinking, about, like, if this was on just in the afternoon on a weekend, would you sit down and watch the, like, if you just, like, came into it in the middle, would you sit and watch the rest? Well, I think it's really pretty, so I would definitely watch some of it if it was on TV. Mm. I find it. Okay. I think it's a pretty movie to watch. I would definitely like sit down and watch a scene if it was on TV. I am going to say the one thing I knew about this movie was that someone falls through the ice (laughs) and what an (laughs) anticlimax. Amy falls through the ice and then they just rescue her and that's it. She's fine. She doesn't even get sick and they go out of their way to say so. They're like, the doctor thought maybe she would get sick, but she's going to be fine. And I was just like, God damn it. That's (laughs) it. I feel like this movie is going to be like essential Florence Pugh viewing in like 10 years. Like, oh, there's like, a lot of great actresses in this. and But I love her. I just love how she plays that like child character. She does such a good job in her earnestness. I think yeah. that's another good thing. point. And in addition to Greta Gerwig's ongoing career, I think all three of those actresses are going to continue to do uh, great and important work. And it's going to be kind of looked upon, even if it's not a great film, which... You know, we've talk, gone back and forth upon uh, on, but I mean, a movie like um, The Outsiders from the '80s that just happened to have like everyone who went on to be a big star. You know, Tom Cruise, Patrick Swayze down the line. Con Air has a great cast Con too. Air. Con Air has an incredible. <laughs> cast. You have to see it. Oh <laughs> yes, you do have to see oh, Con Air. Oh, I'm sorry, yes, yes, you do. Oh, Con Air That's is really definitely bad. essential viewing. That's, all right, all right. No one's questioning that. Well. 
That's true. Fair enough. Go see Con Air. Forget Little Women. Go see Con Air. Things, <laughs> actually, things actually blow up in Con Air, so I obviously like it a lot. Now, it's knows? sort of like it, that's like Little Men. There's like no women. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say. So we were gonna follow up on what the what the Little Men and Joe's boys are. All the next stories are her like stories of her school and like all the boys and like I think at some point she adopts a bunch of orphans and they've got like eight orphan children with her and Friedrich and like that's what the that's what the sequels are. So. Sounds boring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. Well, that's, that's not something I want to watch. <laughs> so can I can I throw out also a, a ridiculous story? Please do. I, um, I read this in the Washington Post. They had two people there, who two writers who like love little women. So they did a little women marathon where they watched in sequential order all of the little women. And like they're like making notes and it just like it goes off the rails. Like they've got a bonnet and like like current jam or whatever and like they put in the bonnet on the dog by the end and like they're just like oh my god and the, their decision was you know the the Winona Ryder one was their favorite because they hadn't yet gone and seen the Greta Gerwig one but it was just like it's like delirium of watching Little Women like eight times in a row because there's so many versions of it I didn't know there were so many versions of it I think I, there's maybe only four eight is probably an exaggeration well, but four still is still a lot yeah. for one story to be remade I mean is there any That's other a lot what, of women. what Okay. Yeah. Are there <laughs> are there other movies that do this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm trying absolutely. To, like I'm just are. I'm just trying to think of examples. Like um, a Hamlet. star. Well, yeah. A star is say, born. Yeah, Shakespeare plays. Yeah. Pride and Prejudice. Play. A bunch of the Jane Austen stuff. Yeah. Um, Dickens. Yep. The Batman origin story. Oh my oh. god. Spider Man. Oh god. You yeah. Just keep rebooting that one. So yeah, yeah. There's there's a few things, but uh, maybe. But I mean, in general, they seem to be like classical literature and then superhero stories. <laughs> yeah. The new classic, the modern myths. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, anyway, <laughs> that is our show for this week. Once again, if you'd like to contact the podcast, please email us at betterlatethanneverpod at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at betterlate underscore pod. Guys, it was great having you this week. Thanks fun, for having us. Yeah, fun, thanks. contentious conversation. <laughs> I kind of liked it. This has been a lot of fun, and we will catch you all next time. Sweet. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Bye. They were little women. <laughs> <laughs>